Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everybody to Nightlight. This is one of my most favorite shows because I've got Mary Joyce with me tonight. And uh, before we get going on that, I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro as always. Uh, please check him out on the internet. He's a native storyteller and he and his wife have preserved history through telling stories and, and it is phenomenal. It's an amazing way to preserve history and pass it generation to generation. Uh, I, I highly recommend you listen to some of the stories for they are not only insightful but inspirational and magical as well. Now, Mary Joyce is the editor of one of the most amazing websites out there. I, I, I so highly recommend that you check it out after the show, of course. Uh, it's called Skyships Over Cashiers. It is uh, a spectacular website in that it investigates just a little bit of everything, but it is so well investigated. She is a true reporter in the true sense of the word. She absolutely makes sure that whatever she puts out there, she has validated from different sources. And the material she has there covers everything. And um, it's the kind of website you can get lost in. Not only is, is it phenomenal, updated constantly, but the archives are there from over a decade of her shows, and it, it is an amazing place to research, to get inspired, to be tantalized, to be inspired, uh, and, and it, it gives you an idea, it gives you a hint into all different aspects of what's going on within this world. Uh, I, would, I would say that um, I probably get lost in it at least once a month, you know, checking out what, what's new and what she's looked into. Always I find something that is in an area that I'm fascinated with, and I'm always intrigued by how she can find material that I haven't found. Uh, she is 
in, an inspired person. Her 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 material is phenomenal, and and it's all because of her website, and because of her website and her books, uh, she's been a frequent guest on radio and TV shows, including Coast to Coast AM, which has an audience of about three million listeners, which is not small change. The Travel Channel and Internet TV shows in Ireland and Australia. She is not only well-read but well-spoken and an, and an inspiring person who is constantly being intrigued by new things. She's certainly, her material is not old and dusty, and it continues to fascinate me, the, the manner in which she's able to put material out there for all of us. Welcome to the show, Mary. Hi. With an introduction like that, I hope I don't trip all over my tongue. <laughs> well, that's all right. I trip over my tongue on a real regular basis. So if you do, you'll just be right within me. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyhow, uh, t- tonight I wanted to talk about uh, the hollow earth. And what I have found is that so far the most credible witness to the actuality of a hollow earth community is Admiral Byrd. Now, that's going back a little bit in time, so I don't want to assume that everybody knows who he was. Admiral Byrd, um, he was back during uh, the two world wars. Um, he was 40, the first yeah. to fly over both the North Pole and the South Pole. He was treated like a real hero in his time. He was given the um, uh, he was the, the first one, I think, to get the Medal of Honor uh, for what he did uh, exploring the, the the two poles, and that's the highest honor of valor the U.S. offers. Um, they had ticker tape per, uh, parades for him in New York City. Uh, you know the old-fashioned kind. Um, yeah. I've seen I've seen uh, pictures and I think videos too, where he's riding in an open vehicle with President FDR Roosevelt, and he was on radio shows with um, Eleanor Roosevelt. He was no um, he was a very considered a very honorable man. So when he tells you uh, fantastic stories, you even though they don't sound like they could be true you have to consider the kind of person that he was. Now, the reason that I decided to make this the subject was I was contacted uh, very recently by a woman named Leslie Mitt, and she is a distant uh, relative of Admiral Byrd. And I'm going to read uh, the words that she sent me um, in an email. She said, my grandparents knew him, because my grandmother was a bird from Virginia, and um, Admiral Byrd was born in Winchester, Virginia. And uh, she said they were listening to his live broadcast as he was flying over the pole area. I just remember they tuned in to listen because he was a close relative of my grandmother, and they were very interested in what he was going to say. They were very surprised to hear him describe people and large animals with people looking up at his plane, and it wasn't all snow and ice. There was a lot of vegetation, too. I think they said the people were wearing animal skins and the animals were like huge elk. As he was describing it, the sound suddenly stopped with no explanation. They wondered why. That's all I can remember. All the older members of the family have passed on, so I'm the only one left who has this information. Now, that's not a whole lot of information but it gives credibility to uh, something that he wrote 
uh, he kept a diary of this experience, and he was it was he was commanded by the um, the government and the military when he told him what had happened that he could never talk about it, which you know sounds like our UFO stories now. You can't talk about it, and so he wrote this secret diary, and I'm going to read at you one more time. In the in his diary, he said. I must write this diary in secrecy and obscurity. It concerns my Arctic flight of the 19th day of February in the year of 1947. I am not at liberty to disclose the following documentation at this writing. Perhaps it uh, it shall never see the light of public scrutiny, but I must do my duty and record here for all to read one day. And... uh, uh, his his diary his secret diary and he had another diary but his secret diary is really 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 short it's pamphlet size so if anybody's interested um, you know it's it's anybody could get it read in just a matter of minutes um, yeah but he did preserve it well and you know I think too um, what what he was not alone in the plane he had a navigator with him that's correct. So, um, you know, and, and I, I would absolutely in, in, encourage people to seek out on, on the Internet his diary because it is out there. I, I've read it. And um, it, it almost sounds like it's a science fiction movie, but... Um, he swears but it's true. Of, yeah, and, and his credibility is just amazing. Um, and certainly Hollow Earth is, is a theory that's been out there for quite a while, um, it, it, he talks about how he, as he spiraled down, he, he felt that he had lost control of the plane, but it, it, it had been um, sort of, it, it was as though it, it was, was taken being o- It was control. taken over by remote control, and he was guided in, into the uh, interior earth. And uh, uh, the way he describes it, and I've just got short quotes, he said it was a shimmering city, pulsating with rainbow hues of color. He said the city seems to be made of a crystal material. This, these are images once he got inside. He said uh-huh. rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls themselves. Uh, he said they boarded a small <clears throat> platform-like conveyance with no wheels, and they arrived um, at a building that he said appears to be right out of the design board of uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, but I'm probably jumping ahead there because he saw stuff before that. He he was seen. Um, um, he described them as mastodons, um, yeah, rather than elk. So uh, you know, the the woman who contacted me had to have been a child when she was with her grandparents. So that's how she remembers it. But he clearly describes it as um, um, like mastodon characters. Yeah, sort of prehistoric and and. Um it, I, I find it, even today, even more interesting, um, in that that uh, he was told he was what do they what do they call him, um, a master or a, he was greeted by a, by a man who was obviously in a right. Story. And I I have really mixed feelings about some not feelings. It, it's like I'm I'm still open to what exactly we're dealing with because uh, he was ultimately escorted into this building and had a uh, one-on-one with the one they referred to as the master. And Uh in many ways, this master is described 
and it seems it's he this master seemed to act more like a, an Eastern mystic or a, a, perhaps a Jesus figure, um, and you put that together with the fact that I could find um, I was able to find uh, three German words uh, in his diary. He said that when they were coming in, uh, being you know escorted into uh, this hollow earth. They were escorted by disc-shaped uh, vehicles that were, you know, shiny or gleaming. And um, they were called, let's see if I can remember how to say it right. Uh, Flugel something. Yes, and I'm trying to remember how to say it right. Fugel, well, fooey. Oh, here we go, fugel rods or fugel rads, yeah. one or the other. And that is the Nazi name for their flying saucer. So that uh-huh. word was used in there. And then he said these disks that escorted him into the hollow earth, or he didn't use the term hollow earth, but into the interior, had um, a swastika um, signs on on the craft. And then when he was being escorted out, when they, they, um, uh, same way, they had his plane under control, and then when they got to a certain point, um, they said, we are leaving you now, Admiral, your controls are free, and here's my bad German again. Uh, off Wiedersch- you you can probably say it better than I can. Wiedersching. Off Wiedersehen. Wieders- Thank you very much. And so those were three German words um, that I found in that secret diary. Now we hear about um, you know Hitler going down to Antarctica. Um, you know that he was not killed in Germany. That he escaped. There's a whole uh-huh. lot of stories about that. And then you read this and you go, well, here's this German thing again. So when you think about Hitler and you think about the Nazis and then you think about uh, somebody described like a, a master who's very gentle and gives the sign of peace because he said that also, um, uh-huh. you go, all right, how do you, how do you, just, how do you do, what do you do with this? They don't seem to well, be yeah. two things that would be together. And I think beyond that, the master was talking about how they have always been around, but that they they were taking this opportunity to give him a message um, because he they felt that because we had atomic power that that they they felt that we were going to destroy ourselves. And that, I know, that and was, yet they were supposedly the they supposedly they were helping. The Germans, and the Germans weren't doing nice things. How do you justify well, this? <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> um, I don't either. I think I'm, I'm actually the, on the air with no no conclusions about this at all, except I do believe the man experienced something like this. I, I just there's nothing about him. Well, anything about him that would go and make up science fiction like this. Well, not only that, but. You know, they said you must not talk about this, and they, you know, secret, secret, secret. But that's but our then, government saying that. Yeah, our government said that. But then right. they sent him and a whole fleet of ships down to Antarctica, called Operation High Jump. Right. And when Operation High Jump went down there, um, they were attacked by saucers and and uh, several of the ships were sunk and they came back real fast so it it makes you wonder 
was this some sort of a, a ploy to um, to sway him? Was it really the Russians all along, or is there indeed a higher culture in Hollow Earth or or beneath the surface? Maybe not Hollow Earthy, but but beneath the surface that have been of elders, of mystics, of, of whoever you're shining ones, whatever you want to call them, because he got the feeling or he gave the feeling that these were highly spiritual people that were were there and, and that were more evolved than those of us on the surface and that therefore they weren't intervening or, or you know, in any way um, getting involved in our society because we weren't evolved enough basically and, and still and aren't. So, and still aren't. <laughs> no after the dropping of the atom bomb absolutely not <laughs> but but it does feel as though i mean when you're looking at what's going on today you know it feels like you know there is that element of of confrontation in the air that hasn't been there for a very long time that is now there again and so you know you, you do begin to wonder but I, I know that there, there's documentation that the Nazis had underground um, facilities there. I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that at all. And there there's might be much two of... separate things. They, there might be a deep um, civilization within the, with, you know, deeper within the earth. Because my understanding is that the Nazis expanded on, like, um, volcanic tunnels, um, you know, beneath the surface, and they might not have been as deep within the surface. Uh, but didn't but the they also say they land... had come? Didn't they say that they had come across um, ancient uh, facilities as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh. I think the per- the only person I know of who has really gotten a good interview about that, and I I I, I know you can find it on on YouTube, Linda Moulton Howell. Um, interviewed, I believe it was a man that she used the name Brian, and he flew over, um, he, he went, you know, he, he had a lot of experiences. She's done, I think, at least two people um, with her shows. So look up her interviews because you might be able to get some real insight into, um, you know, another aspect of this. This needs to be clarified. I mean, this um, I, I feel badly, in a sense, coming on with this, but at the same time, maybe other people will start really digging in and finding out more about this uh, because it's very conflicted. The message that, I mean, um, Bird left uh, that inner world, which uh, the Native people called the Ariani, or are they called uh-huh. it Ariani, and they yeah. said that they were tall, blonde people, and uh, it's worth noting that the word's a little bit like Aryan, which is the Aryan race, which is blonde and tall. Um, and the fact that he came back with this, as you say, like a, almost like a spiritual reverence for this master, makes it seem like we're dealing with two totally different things that are existing at some level under the ground, maybe one deeper than the other. The message right. that he came back with, is really one that's worth sharing, and I certainly can do that if you want me to. Well. Well. It, 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 
It it also, I, I just said, you know how you have those aha moments? Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. if, what if, he didn't really go into inner earth. What if it was an interdimensional shift? We can't close the door on that. Because, you and know, whenever we think of the North Pole, we think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is a barber pole, red and white, stuck in the snow, you know, and Santa's just around the corner. Well, the actual right. North Pole is underwater, in the Arctic uh, Ocean. So mm-hmm. when he, you know, and he left, I think, from uh, maybe Greenland. I think that's where he was based at the time. It was either Greenland or Iceland. And, you know, if his plane was taken over uh, by another force, could have been landed, I don't know, there could have been someplace in Greenland. There could be someplace in Iceland. There well, could, you know, because <laughs> he saw mountains. Wait, he saw a valley. Wasn't wasn't it the Antarctic that he was at, and not the North Pole? Everything I'm ta- no, everything I'm talking about right now, um, and his secret diary is all about the North Pole. Huh? Because Operation Truly. High Jump was an- Antarctic. That's correct, and that was later. Oh, okay. All right. So. Well, it just. Um, you're, you're right. It just seems to me that they wouldn't have honored him so if he was crazy, and they wouldn't have, you know, if he was if he was literally crazy, they would have let him go and said, "Look, he's just, you know, he's he's demented." And mm-hmm. and uh, but but especially with Operation High Jump, the uh, ships were attacked with saucers. Yeah. So, and 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 yet. We and maybe, seen any. maybe we're talking about polar opposites. We have the North Pole and the South Pole, different factions. Who knows? Some, there's divided um, civilizations, I think, beneath the surface. And uh, the message he came back with is, is one, you know, that we all should hear. And the tone that he used is really good. He said, I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. Uh, we have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well-known on the surface world. You are in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of Earth. But now, Admiral, I shall tell you why you have been summoned here. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Fugelrods, or whatever, uh, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. We have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must, for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely that of the atomic energy. Um, and it goes on. But um, uh, he, he wanted uh, Admiral Byrd to go back, and with this message that we needed peace, we needed, you know, I don't know, so, I mean, it was all very, very positive um, with the experience at the North Pole and not a good experience at the South Pole. Go figure. Yeah, and, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, they, the, the, the way he describes them is very similar to um, the Barbara and, um, oh, I can't remember his first name, O'Brien, 
and the shining ones that they wrote about who were tall and blonde and peaceful and, you know, just, you know, watching humanity and trying to guide them. So, I mean, that, that, that scenario, that, that uh, way of looking at things, knowing that there was an ancient race that was watching over us, has come across in a lot of different places. So, um, and, and yet, when he, he talks about all of this stuff, um, there's no mention of their flying ships then, but again, the other part that I keep going back to is he had a navigator with him. Has anything ever been written about the navigator? Because he had a navigator with him on this trip. Uh, yes, and I have not explored that to any degree where I would be helpful. I just know, I do know that um, Bird went in to see the master alone. Um, at that point, the um, navigator was told to, or the Bennett, uh, what's his name, Bennett? something like that. He was asked to, to wait. Huh. You know, and you, like you, you know, say, there's a lot of things in the ancient past that have alluded to the possibility of an interior world. Uh, uh-huh. We go back to Agartha, and the capital city of Agartha was Shambhala, and that was the yeah. Tibet, uh, Tibetan belief in an uh, underground city or underground civilization. That's the most significant one. But you hear a lot of, there's a whole lot of theories out about the hollow earth. Imagine you could spend quite a bit of time just reading all those. But most of it um, is is speculation, just like you and I are having to do. Um, so that's why I rely on Bird up to this point. I just don't find anybody more credible. Well, and it, it's, it does make you wonder because... Now, if you if you look at the Earth, they do say that there is a depression at the top and at the bottom of the Earth magnetically. There is a depression there, um, and, and you can see that depression on you know graphics that they make up of of the the Earth. But but they don't give any indication that you can go into that, and yet, especially in the Arctic, um, it's it's very clear that that there have been underground tunnels and stuff that are there. I mean, the, the Germans used them, and it would be silly to think that it didn't happen at the, t- at the top of the Earth, too. Whether the physical North Pole is wherever it is, there are areas up there that have, you know, are, have been covered with snow and ice forever. So um, in the North, there is absolutely no land mass. In the South, there is. So right. I don't know which which area would be more logical to have um, have had a civilization of some sort there um, beats me because I know at one point um, you know the, the the poles really did shift tremendously and at one point the sh- the poles have actually shifted so more than more than one time but it takes thousands of years for that to happen so um, I think we're living in a time when a lot of this is going to come a lot faster. Well, I, I think, think you're right. Cha- I, I think the changes that are, are, I think we're all, everybody that's listening, I think we're going to see a great deal of them. One of the things that I'll be posting by the weekend, or I'm not me, I have a webmaster do that, um, and the title of it is Doomsday Glacier, Simple Explanation for Its Name. 
the, they, they actually call it the Doomsday Glacier. It's in Antarctica. Now we're at the South Pole. And it's huge. It's at least the size of the state of Florida. And the reason that it is scary and the reason it could affect the whole world is that there's warm water flowing beneath it. So indeed, when you see a profile of it, it's like a shelf sticking out into the water. So this warm flow keeps eroding it. The glacier is anchored to the seafloor bottom. And as this flow keeps warming everything, that will break off they, within the, um, uh, the authorities on it, say it will break within five years. That will raise um, ocean levels at least two feet. And if that one glacier brings down other glaciers, it could affect it as much as 10 feet. So we'll stick with two feet. Two feet globally is disastrous. Um, you know, it, would affect, it, it would affect us all. So that's something that's um, looming in our future. And, you know, um, I've, I've, with the article that I'll be posting, there's a diagram that was done by the University of Pittsburgh's uh, Climate and Global Change Center, and it's real clear and easy to see, so you instantly can understand what I'm trying to put into words. And that'll, that should be up by Saturday. Well, as as we go forward in our, in our um, time frame, and it may be, hundreds if not thousands of years, but um, they fully intend for Great Britain to go underwater, um, as, as well as a lot of other places, so that the, the face of our world is, is going to change tremendously. And, you know, it makes you wonder, because when you go back to the, to the Perry Reese map and things like that, at that particular point in time, it was drawn whenever it was. It was 15, 1200s in there someplace. Um, um, Antarctica was, was all a landmass, and, and, of course, at that time, everything had wobbled so that Antarctic was, was really um, right around where the equator is now, so that mm-hmm. it, it, it was all vegetation. So, you know, it's certainly... And, by the way, there's proof of that, you know, they, they have found all sorts of tropical fossils. Uh, univer- there's, I don't remember which university it is, has done extensive research down there, and we, we posted a, a story about that showing the photographs of these uh, uh, floral fauna um, um, uh, fossils uh, that they found buried in Antarctica. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a tropical place at one point. I think that, that one thing that when, when people are talking about global warming and stuff like that, they're talking about it as though it's never happened before, but it has. It's just that right. the, 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 the spiral of it, the, the time frame of it is in the thousands and thousands of years so that, you know, yes, we have no record of it, but it's happened before. So, mm-hmm. that, so that, you know, it's something that, that you know, it's it's not that it's different and new, and it doesn't even have anything to do possibly with cow flatulence and and our gas engines. You know, it's just something. It happens. It's part of our cycle, and we deal with it. But you know, as far as Admiral Burke goes, I I wonder if now the diary that I've seen, as you said, is a very it's a short it's a pamphlet, but right. it does talk more about you know, his description of everything, and it does make it seem almost as though it's 
it's interdimensional to a degree, and maybe the portal is there, and maybe he went through a portal at that time frame, and that's where he came out. Um, I don't know. I'm beginning to think portal is is you know more comfortable for me. Um, I yeah. I just um, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know what you and I are doing for the, your audience tonight, uh, other than offering them conflicting ideas. So maybe that's good. Well, I maybe think. They'll... That's a good thing. I mean, it's it's sort of like was it a portal? Was it a hole in the earth? Was it, um, you know, there there are lots of books written about um, hollow earth, um, but but as far as having any credible places where you, you know you have there's proof that you can say yes, indeed, this is this way. Um, there's there's there is no proof. I know that there are places where. They have been trying to drill down to get to the center of the earth, and they haven't been able. Oh, yeah, so I think that's, that's, that's quite a quite a, I just can't imagine accomplishing that one. They they were um, it was I think it was a drill site in 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 Russia, and they got it got to the they didn't get down very they they got down a, a couple of miles, but then it got too hot and they had to stop. They they couldn't mm-hmm. continue. So. Um, we really don't even know what's at the core of our planet. I mean, it's it's like the moon is is hollow. They think. Um, so you know, could Earth be hollow? Could there be another civilization down there? Uh, you know, you got me. Cause, right. Um, now something else to think about, and I kind of touched on it briefly. Um, most people would be surprised to find out. I think the most volcanoes in the world, or a whole bunch of them are in Antarctica, and again, we're down in the South Pole now. And the uh-huh. whole western part, if we're looking north toward us, um, are, it's volcanic, which is contributing also to the warming of the water. But those uh-huh. volcanic tubes were things that supposedly the Nazis expanded upon, and supposedly the, there's a reptilian race that also is using those um, underground um, caverns and um, but see underground caverns and um, volcanic tubes are really close to the surface I suspect that going into the hollow earth if there is a civilization like Bird explains uh, would be much deeper than that would have to be and then there's supposed to be an inner sun so there's a heat source and um, um, I don't know I think that in itself is two different things. Well, it's, you know, anything is possible. I mean, we've only, like, scratched the surface as as a, as a species as far as investigation and trying to, I mean, come on, it, it wasn't much more than a couple hundred years ago they thought the earth was flat. So, Well, there's still people today know. that are supposed to be educated that think that, that, that are, endorse, you know, endorsing this idea of a flat earth. I... I don't know how they come up with it because everything you see when you look out through a telescope, every planetary thing is round. So how they come up with a flat Earth concept and they're supposedly intelligent people, I don't get it. Well, I, I, I don't either. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but there are people today that think if you go too far, you're going to fall off. So... Um, you know, you know even uh, if you fly, even if you fly, you can start to see the slight hint of curve. the curvature of the sun, I mean of the earth. Yeah, 
Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it is a mystery, but but it's fascinating to think. I I looked into Hollow Earth. I had somebody booked to who has written a book on it, and. Um, after I, I read the book, I decided that maybe he needed psychiatric help rather than a radio show. So. Oh wow! Wow. You and I share something in common. You know, I, I read different things, and some of these I go, "Oh, did I waste my money on that one?" And um, <laughs> you know, every once in a while you get lucky. But there's a everybody has access with just a little bit of money to get some things printed. And so, you know, we have to, we don't have as many editors and publishers and publishing houses filtering some of this stuff. And filtering is not necessarily bad because somebody who's truly kinky, or maybe that's the wrong word, totally off base, um, would never get past Delusional. that kind of editorial, um, you know, critic. And uh, I don't know, but you and I have both have been stung by buying books that you go, oh, my God, this is really terrible. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've gotten caught a couple times on the title being so enticing I just couldn't resist it and then realized that it was a great title. That was that was their writing mm-hmm. career. That's mm-hmm. a great title. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the interior didn't quite match, ma- you know, and, and you know, you want to have some meat to be able to talk to somebody about, and there was no meat. There was just a great title. Um, <laughs> that's that's hit me a couple times. I I I try to read a little further before I you know place a call these days. But Admiral Berg, um, there was never any question to his sanity ever. No, no, never, 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 never. So, so the, the and fact that's, that he that's was why. So- I think I think yeah. everybody who's the least bit interested in this kind of subject should read that pamphlet. It is so it's such an easy read. I have never recommended such a teeny tiny little pamphlet in my whole life, but I think it is worth people reading. It and even the busy people could could read it, you know, while they're waiting for the shower water to get hot. You know, it's that quick. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bathroom book. Easy. Mhm. Mhm. Um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the volcanoes, and it was interesting because um, where the Titanic sank, there were volcano tubes, but they were all um, dormant. And when they went down in the in the submarines to to in their submersibles, um, and they found a lot of extinct volcanoes in that area none of them were none of them were active but the tubes were there which i mm. found fascinating did not know that um yeah charlie pellegrino has written three books on on the titanic and he was talking about what the surface of the um ocean was where the titanic sank and he said it was really quite smooth you know it's sand uh, but there, there were. But when they went down, they were looking for um, volcano tubes to see if there was anything that was active that was going to interfere with their research. And they didn't mm. find. They found the tubes, but they didn't find anything that was active that had CO2 coming out of it or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But um, but it was. It, it's you know you kind of. Those volcano tubes, I, I've seen them in a number of different places, and they're huge. 
They can be, yeah. Um, and and you could put a city in them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, probably the Russians, the Russians, the Germans were doing that. And the fact that there was a swastika and they were using um, they, they were using some German words does make you you wonder. Um, you know, it does come. The name does come close to Aryan. And, and right. you know, you kind of you kind of want to step back and say, how could how could they be a culture that was so aimed at peace when the German government was so aimed at um, at war and destruction conflict. and killing? Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, you know, it makes me think somebody has stolen somebody else's identity to do the bad stuff. I do not know. But, you know... Well, wait a minute. Uh, okay. German German is not a Romance language. So where where does German come from? Does it come from Sanskrit? Does it come from Sumerian? Where does, Where's the foundation for German? I don't know. I, all because I know is that I had to take a language in high school... And I, everybody was taking <laughs> Spanish, and I wanted to be different, and I, I so I decided to sign up, uh, sign up for German, and I lasted just a couple days because I couldn't make those guttural sounds in my throat, and I went and took Spanish. So um, it's not, uh, it's, it's a, I find it a difficult language. Now I think, I think Russian and Japanese and Chinese would be even more challenging, but. Uh, German certainly worse than the uh, Latin-based languages. Yeah, um, I was trying to see um, where it was. You'd think they'd just answer the question by saying, where is it, and here it is, but no. Um, you're talking to your computer, and you're asking it what? Yeah, what the foundation of the German language was. Ah, okay. I mean... It wasn't. It, it's not a ro- romance language. Um, so, who made the German language? All right. Um, it may. It may. Okay. Latin. It, it's not found. It, it's not. It's European. It's Germanic. So you know, I'm. I'm wondering if perhaps it came. Those terms came from the same base that the German language came from, but, you know, it, it wasn't German. That's Would that make sense? I don't know. I, uh, all we're doing is making a huge list of questions. If I ever get any, any, of, any of these answered, I'll get back in touch with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Old Saxon. Oh, separated from Old Saxon. Sixth century oldest context. Well, it's not. It doesn't. It's. I would think that if, if um, Aramaic and Bavarian, Frankish, Saxon, and Friscan sounds like the name of a cat. Um, I would. You know. I would. The swastika is an ancient symbol. Right, it, it and was, it was, it, that was a symbol that existed before the Nazis. So yes, that's that's an absolutely. important thing to keep in mind. Absolutely. And as, That's a good as point far to remember. As, as far as the terms, I would I would think that if that is such an ancient culture, if they are mystics from an ancient culture's land like like Sumeria or something like that, that that 
those phrases could have come from the ancient language as opposed to coming from German. Because the swastika was a, a, a symbol for good luck. Yeah, it, it had a. It wasn't until the Nazis used it that it was uh, turned into something not so good. And though it may be the it, the um, I don't know what you call it the right angle bars on the swastika, I think they uh-huh. may go in the opposite direction from the original ones. Not positive they may. of that, but I I think that they, it it did it twisted it. I mean, so, I would have like, jumped immediately to were these the Germans, but but because they came from such peaceful uh, such a peaceful culture and you know Hitler was looking for the Aryan race um he he was trying to create the Aryan race um so yeah yeah I could I could almost see that 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 perhaps they were trying to mimic something that they had read about they heard about or whatever and and that the, the source, the true source, was not anything like what they became as that's, far as conquerors. Uh, that's very possible because you, you, uh, Bird felt this awe and respect for the master when he had, when he met him. Um, you can't fake that when you feel it. You know, you just really feel it, and so it makes you think that these, this is a good civilization. And whatever happened in Antarctica after that, um, I don't know how how to explain that totally. But our guesses are certainly worth considering. I would, really I would kind of really, you know, there has to be some record of Operation High Jump. That was forty-seven. Wouldn't you think Freedom of Information would have cleared some of this so that it could be, you know, gotten and, and looked at? Well, I know that there's uh, a lot of information available about High Jump. Uh, I just haven't dug into that to be able to quote anything for anybody. Um, But there is information available. Well, if that's the case, now I could, Operation High Jump, I am positive that, that it wasn't aliens there. It was most probably the Germans. But if they were flying saucers, you know. Right. Right. That, and and Werner von Braun, he said that he was working with the aliens, and and so that so that having saucers that were flyable and attackable um, wouldn't surprise me because they they were reverse engineering way before we were. Mm-hmm. So. And um, von Braun said that uh, uh, the big flyover of UFOs in the, and I think it was 1952 over the White uh-huh. House. A whole lot of ships went over. He said those yeah. were the, the German ships or saucers. I can or believe fugel, that. Or, or fugel rods or whatever they are. Flugel. Flugel. Flugel whatever. Well, you know, and these were the Foo, the Foo Fighters too. But because... Um, I think they said that not only the U.S. pilots were seeing the Foo Fighters, but so were the the Russians and and some of the other uh, nationalities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Germans, you know, admitted they were seeing them, but I mean they were there. So, you know, are we being monitored? I I I have always believed we we were being monitored. Um, I've always believed that the Earth was in quarantine because we were so barbaric. 
um, and I haven't changed my mind. Um, so, so are there other cultures out there? Yeah, I'm sure there are, and and you know, I, there may be some that are here too. Uh, I heard it said that that um, Mount Shasta, um, whatever aliens were there, had left the planet for some reason. You know, hopefully it wasn't you know rats deserting a sinking ship. But I know in 2024 there is, astrologically speaking and cos- cosmologically, that at, at one point in time, going back thousands of years, um, the center for the spiritual, the spiritual center for the planet was in the Gobi Desert, and it's going to become that again in the Gobi Desert in 2024, and there's supposedly going to be some sort of a gathering there of mystical mystics. Mystical um, mystics. And I've heard that. I, I was looking for another word, but I couldn't find one. <laughs> uh, of, of, of mystics from other dimensions. It, it's uh-huh. The Gobi Desert is going to be the source um, for this gathering that is going to take place. Now, it, whether it's on this dimension or others, I don't know, but I was fascinated with the fact that long ago the Gobi Desert was the center for the spiritual um, the spiritual teachers of the planet. And this, this is way before the last flood and stuff like that. It goes way back. And that, that is going to be this, the place for another gathering uh, of some sort in 2024. You uh, made the point earlier about how there's big cosmic uh, cycles that, you know, go beyond polluting our planet, which is bad. Yeah. Stop polluting it. But there still are bigger cycles that affect us. And some of the best evidence that's coming out now um, are the remnants of an ancient civilization, and you and I have talked about this before, um, that there's remnants of, like, city structures uh, emerging from the melting snow and ice in Antarctica, and they look yes. like cities. Now, most scientists say that Antarctica has been covered in ice for 34 million years. The more conservative scientists say it's 23 million years. Either way, that means it's an older civilization than any other thing we know on the planet. Boy, I'd be out there with a hairdryer looking for it um, to melt the ice. Um, it, it just seems to me that we should be looking into that, and, and it, it doesn't feel like we are. I know that there are little, little, you know, stations from every nationality just about there, but I don't think they're 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 archaeologists. I think they're no, you know, going no, into, they aren't. The closest they've come oh. to that, as far as I know, is like the university that was uh, trying to find the fossils that proved that there was a tropical forest there at one time. That's the closest I've heard to archaeological work. But that doesn't mean it couldn't be going on. Well, that's true. And they still have the, that no-fly zone. They have that lake that is in the ice that nobody is supposed to go near. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of mystical, myst- mysterious stuff going on there that doesn't hit the news because, of course, you know, Fox News and, and CNN and all of those guys aren't covering something like this, and yet it's there. I mean, 
you have found openings and, and things like that that, that are, are in the ice. I, I did a, um, a remote viewing um, with a group of people, oh, a de- maybe a decade ago, and we remote viewed into different pyramids in different places on the planet, and one of them was an Antarctic pyramid that was there, and um, it was it was fabulous because we went inside and we found that there were chambers and there were all sorts of things down there um, that, that were fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we kind of did the remote viewing down there and we gathered what material we could gather and came back. And um, and I'm finding that, that as we go forward in time, some of the places that we visited Archaeologists are actually digging them up and finding what we saw, which I thought was fascinating. Hmm. I don't know what it do means. Do you have a group of? Do you have other people that you do this with? I had a, a group of about a hundred people, and mm-hmm. um, we did it. I think on a weekly basis, I sent out the information as to where we were going, and the um, it's it's. It's on the it's on my website. It's it's the remote viewing plan, okay. and the actually the meditations are still there. Uh, you can link in and, and do the meditation and be led through the meditation, and the information. I think we did thirteen or fourteen different ones, and I I, I do believe we're going to pick it up again. And not only are we going to do remote viewing, but we're going to do time travel too. How do you um, get? How do you do, get people to focus in on a place? I mean, do you do coordinates like the military people do, or how do you do it? Um, I lead a meditation there. I pull energy together and and and. No, 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 no. When you want people to go to to remote view a specific place, how do you direct them to the place? Um. Well, usually um, I, I have, I've given out, you know, the place we're going to go. I've told them where it is. I've given them pictures of it. I've actually given them the um, the uh, Google Earth thing, so that if they want to if they want to focus in on that place, they can do that. And when we're going to be doing the time travel part of it, um, I would like to take a group and put them down in the middle of the exodus hmm. you know just just to see what it was like to be in the middle of that many people traveling and you know going somewhere um mm-hmm. and and there are other places that that i would i would want to drop in on you know not necessarily lincoln's assassination and stuff like that that's so well documented it's not worth it but but possibly places like um, in the Yucatan, they have temples that, that have yet to be discovered. It would be fascinating to drop in on one of the ones that's been documented to be there and and take people into that that time and that geographic place to see what they can get and what they can gather as to the way of life, as to what was going on at that time. And, you know, these are short meditations, uh, you know, at the most maybe 30 minutes, maybe a little more. And then, you know... When I bring people back, there's if you look at the remote viewing button on my uh, um, website, you'll see the information everybody got, and then 
um, the meditation is there. You can click and, and go through that meditation, and there are places where people can leave their comments as to what they saw and what they felt. Hmm. Sounds like an interesting project. <laughs> well, I think that, that today especially um, people are, I mean, people are, are curious not only about the past but, but about the future and and about um, other aspects of life like, like the caves uh, and Derenkuyu. Um Why are there 13 stories of caves underground there in Turkey? What were they for? Why are they there? Why are you familiar with the caves? That I'm not. No. Um, Darren Kuyu is is a it it would hold I think they said five thousand people along with cattle. Wow. So it, it may have, it may have been a time when there was a glacier or there were I don't know floods or whatever. But it's there's thirteen floors. They're huge, and they don't know what they were for. Hmm. You know stuff like that. You know. There's so many things in history that we are making assumptions about, but we don't really know, and it would be fun to um, remote view and go back in time and see what we get. You know, it's, it's sort of like the Mayan calendar. Is it that way because that's the way it is, or is it that way because they ran out of stone? Um, and you don't know. So, gotcha. you know... <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's amazing. And there's so much out there to investigate. It, you know, the world is so fascinating. It's just amazing. And, you know, inner earth, not inner earth, another dimension, I don't know. But Edmund Burke saw something, and he was not crazy. Right. And so we have to keep a very open mind that uh, there is a very civilized, spiritually advanced um, and technically advanced culture that is living deep within the earth, not just on the, you know, slightly below the surface. And, uh, oh, yeah. No, it, it's, not, it's not six feet down. That's a grave. It's, it's probably miles down. Mm-hmm. That, that would be my guess. So, just, Anyhow, just so uh, you and I and everybody who might be listening, uh, we'll just keep our minds open and uh, keep trying to learn more about it. Maybe things will firm up even more. Yeah, I'm going to do a little more research and see if we can't pull some more material out of the ether here. Um, but I just noticed our time, and we have talked our way through an hour again. You're, you're, you have such fabulous things to talk about. It's just such a pleasure to have you on once a month and, and have my mind blown yet again. Okay. All righty. I appreciate it. And I hope you and your audience have a wonderful rest of the evening and a great tomorrow. Absolutely. You too. Thanks again, Mary. You're you're Alrighty. always um you're always a fabulous person to talk to and I'm so grateful that you joined us once a month. So thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you. You take care. You too. And everybody else, you take care as well. Stay healthy, stay well, and for heaven's sake stay curious and, and stretch yourself and, and keep looking for answers where you haven't seen them before. Good night, everybody.